Hey guys, welcome back or welcome to Bring Your Own Baggage. I'm your host Justine and I'm here to talk about mental health and body image issues on college campuses from the perspective of a college student. These struggles are much more prevalent than you'd expect and I'm here to let you know that you're not alone. Hey guys, welcome back. It's me. So I decided to be really spontaneous and crazy today and I'm just recording this intro without writing out a little bullet point list of what I'm going to say. I'm just going to go for it and see where the wind takes me. So I thought I would give a little life update for you because um, I took a week off um, just because mental health wasn't super great. I was just really overwhelmed by a lot of things. Um, One of that being I am not currently in Charlottesville. I am still at home um, because we had a bit of a COVID scare, not a bit of a COVID scare, um, someone in my house tested positive for COVID, so they were, it was actually perfect timing because the day before I was going to leave, um, they texted us and were like, hey, tested positive, don't come back yet, and I was like, cool, I will stay here, um, and thank goodness for my procrastinating because I did not pack a single thing, so it really was not that big of a deal, (laughs) um, but yeah, I'm still at home right now, And it's just been a little hard for me to imagine going back to school um, because, like I've talked about before on Instagram, I just am not great with change of any kind. And even if this isn't really that much of a change because this is not the first time I've been going back to college after a break, um, it's still been really hard to think about just trying to adjust back to college and I... team. I seem to pre-stress about a lot of things, so I pre-stress about being able to do my classes since I share a room, and I pre-stress about getting COVID, um, or my family members getting COVID, my friends getting COVID, um, stress about the schoolwork ahead of time, um, I stress that I'm not gonna find guests for the podcast, or people aren't gonna keep listening to this, um, yeah, and so that just kind of paralyzed me, and I think that part of the reason why that was so debilitating the past few weeks is because I have started back on meds, antidepressants, aka my happy pills, um, and so that process is always a little bit tricky because things are changing up in my brain, um, and yeah, it's just been a little difficult. If anyone wants advice or is also starting antidepressants, please let me know. I already did an episode with this with Rachel. If you haven't checked out that episode, go check it out. I forget which number episode it is, but it's one of the earlier ones. Um, But yeah, it's been a little bit hard to get back on antidepressants because I still have, even me, I still struggle with the stigma that being on meds means I'm less... I don't know, less of a person, and I get frustrated with myself that I need to take meds to just function as a normal human being, but this break, um, I really struggled with depression and general anxiety, and there were days where I literally could not get out of my bed with my mountain of squishmallows, and so I was like, "Mm, this is kind of an issue, and now with these happy pills, I can get out of bed, and I do have a little more, bit more energy, and I just the racing thoughts are quieter and I have more space in my brain to think about important things 
instead of thinking that for example i don't know if i eat a cookie i'm gonna instantly become morbidly obese or something like that just like the anxious thoughts cognitive distortions they kind of are at a lower volume um i'm realizing more than ever how important social interaction is and even i am only so much of an introvert so i'm excited to get back to charlottesville and see my housemates um see my bubble aka kristen and sydney um and just see people while also being safe because that is the priority now more than ever when i see people going out and being stupid i'm like you guys we are so close like there is a vaccine it is being administered it's helping people like we're so close please just hold off on your frat parties for a little longer um yeah i don't oh i've been having a lot of dreams that okay i've been having two really frequent dreams one of them is that i'm flying and i my mom got me like this little box of dream cards and they kind of explain what dreams mean and so apparently flying means that i'm embarking on like a new adventure or something good is going to be happening really soon so i guess that one is good even though in the dreams it's not like a peaceful flying like flying is actually a lot of work um for those of you who aren't familiar with flying who have never flown before um it really (laughs) i feel like i just have to address that that was a joke because sometimes my tone um gets lost but in my dreams it's literally just like i'm sprinting the entire time so i wake up like feeling tired because i've just been flying for the entire night but another one of my dreams has to do with not being able to see there's not a card for that maybe should i google that really quickly what it means if you can't see it in your dream what okay i just looked it up and it says when dreaming of being unable to see clearly the dream may indicate that there's a situation that is overwhelming something that is so overpowering that you can't focus on it this type of dream may also be a dream advising you that you are too close to a problem and need to take a step back to see more clearly interesting um i think that problem is me not wanting to go back to charlottesville um wow dreams are so interesting to me and i wish that there was a way that we could like how do these people know what that means where did where did this definition come from i wish there was a way that you could study dreams and like scientifically prove what they mean that's gonna i think i need to contact the head of the psychology department at uva now and be able to get this class or get some research running um so yeah that is the little life update from me i've been rambling on for about seven minutes now so i think it's time to just get into the episode um today i am talking about grief with a very special guest i feel like i always say that but all of my guests are very special to my heart and i'm gonna say it again i think in her intro but i just really appreciate everyone who comes on and again everyone has a little special place in my tiny heart um but yeah we're gonna be talking about grief which is something that i really struggled with um something i'm sure a lot of people are struggling with with the pandemic happening um people losing their loved ones to the virus so i hope that this is helpful um so let's just get right into the intro Hey guys, welcome back. So as I mentioned, we have a very special guest with us today. So we have Jada Smith, who is a third year majoring in global public health. And a fun fact about her that I thought was really interesting is that she has had metal hips since she was 11 and they used to make the metal detectors at airports go off. So that was probably a really interesting experience. Um, What happened 
when that would, when the detectors would go off at the airport, were you just like, it's just something in my body? <laughs> oh yeah. I actually had a medical card that I had to carry around to places oh. to like show them that they were like implants and not anything else. Cause yeah. I could be a security <laughs> concern. So yeah, I had like this little card, but now I've gotten an upgrade that they don't make metal detectors go off. So we're good now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Sorry. My dog is barking. Jeez. Oh boy. All right. We're off to a, we're off to a crazy start. Um, for some reason, the platform I was using to record wasn't working today. So now we're on zoom trying to figure out the audio for that. Um, is he going to be barking? All right. We're good though. We got this. Um, so we're just going to jump right into the personal experience then. So Jada, what is your experience with grief? Yeah, so on December 26th of 2018, I lost my grandmother to cervical cancer. And as the matriarch of our family, she was really the glue that held everything together and was honestly my best friend. So, you know, going back ever since she retired from working as a nurse right after I was born, she and I were really attached to the hip. And like she was really my pillar of strength, wisdom, guidance, and love. So her loss profoundly impacted me. And I felt like I lost a part of myself during that whole process. And plus, I had no prior experience with losing a loved one before and I really didn't know how to cope with losing someone that I never thought would honestly not be a part of my life. So that was a really difficult time for me. Thank you for sharing. And I think one thing that stuck out to me, what you were talking about is how she was kind of like the glue that held your family together. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's even more hard when you have someone that is so universally loved in your family and like to the same extent. So yeah, thank you for sharing that again. So how did you cope with the loss of your grandmother? So at first, I honestly did not really know how to cope and how to process her loss. And so I think what I tried to do the hardest was to push it out of my mind. I really wasn't wanting to approach my feelings and confront them because I knew that Mm -hmm. as soon as I confronted them, that would validate that she was actually gone. Mm -hmm. So like looking back, of course, it's extremely unhealthy, but you know. (laughs) It was like I was in that stage of grief, a part of like shock and denial. And I really did not want to confront those feelings. And I did not want to say again, like, oh, this is real. Mm-hmm. So I distanced myself. I really did for my friends and my family. Um, it was my first year of college. So about two weeks after she passed, I was moving back to Charlottesville. And so that spatial distance did allow me to create that distance from my family. And like when I got here, I was truly living a double life. Like we all talk about like Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus, that was me. Um, on the outside, I was feeling like every day of that semester with like social distracts, distractions and trying my hardest to keep up this like happy, like unaffected facade. Um, I only told a couple of people here at UVA and like when they would ask me questions, I would just try to like minimize my grief and quickly change the topic. Mm -hmm. However, like once I returned to my dorm room, I lived in Shannon my first year, I really could not ignore like the pain and anger and like the guilt that I felt from losing her. Mm -hmm. And like in the quietness of my room, I was literally having full blown panic attacks in my bed. And I remember like most nights I was literally trying to cover up my sounds of my crying Mm -hmm. from my roommate with my covers because like, I didn't want her to know like how like depressed I was and how broken I was. And so this unhealthy cycle literally continued for almost a whole year, I think until November. And, you know, at that point, the anniversary of my grandmother's death was approaching and my first Thanksgiving without her was approaching. And we all know how hard grief hits at the holidays. Mm -hmm. So a couple of days before I was set to go home, you know, I had broken down. My roommate had left the room because I would always again wait until she had left to cry or like let out any of my emotions. Yeah. And like during this panic attack, you know, I was sobbing uncontrollably. I was hyperventilating as I usually did. But this time I had like the thought of like, 
if I were to go today, would I even be upset? And I think that's mm-hmm. when I really knew, like, I need to seek professional help because mm-hmm. I am over here, you know, thinking about contemplating suicide and like knowing that's not something I want to go through, but like go through with, but also just, you know, thinking about like, wow, like I'm really like at my lowest and I don't think I can continue on this way. Mm-hmm. And so as I went home, you know, I finally opened up with my family because I was very much trying to distance myself from having these hard conversations. And then when I came back after Thanksgiving break, that's when I reached out to CAPS and started going to therapy. And it mm-hmm. really, really helped um, because I, when I went to therapy, I finally got like the tools I needed to like have these vulnerable conversations and realize that my feelings were valid and that I had a right to be angry and sad. You know, thankfully today I'm in a much better place. It took a long time for me to get to this place. And even now, I don't think I'll be 100% free of grief. And that's why I think it's so important that I continue to like seek out professional help and to seek out new healthy ways to really traverse my emotions. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I feel like we had really similar experiences because I lost my aunt around a similar time. And Mm -hmm. the idea of kind of repressing your emotions because if you feel your emotions then that makes them real is so like I really felt that because when you have no experience with death and then suddenly like someone really close to you dies it's hard to even comprehend the idea of death I feel like I was like Mm -hmm. after my aunt died I was like there's something's something's not adding up like this is a prank she's just like gonna come back like one day and like it's gonna be fine and stuff And so I think I did a similar thing to you. Like I would not face these emotions because I was just like, if I'm sad, if I grieve, that means that I'm grieving her death. And that means that she is dead. It's really hard going to college after that because I feel like, especially your first year of college, everyone was like, this is the best time ever. Like I love college. And when you're dealing with something that heavy, it's hard when you don't have really good friends at college Um, because you obviously just don't want to bring that up randomly um, when you're trying to make new friends and stuff. So thank you for sharing again. And how did struggling with grief affect your day-to-day life? Yeah, struggling with grief profoundly affected my everyday life. You know, honestly, I started even struggling to get out of bed in the morning. And that's when I also kind of knew like, oh, wow, like I am depressed because I was the type who could spring out of bed at 8 a.m. and like be ready to start my day. Mm-hmm. And like I was also always the one that would be like initiating conversation with my friends. You know, after my grandmother passed, I really preferred to isolate myself. And I stopped enjoying many of the activities that I previously loved, especially the ones that reminded me of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So like my whole life kind of I felt like did a 360. There were days where I felt like I didn't even recognize recognize who I was anymore and one of like my lowest points was when I literally came back that semester and I was like I cannot focus in my classes and I had to actually withdraw from one of my classes to prioritize like my mental well-being and Mm -hmm. my mental health and so like grief really does affect so many things about us and some things you don't even expect especially when it's your first time experiencing with grief how it physically manifests itself in your life Mm -hmm. Exactly. And grief can usually be like a trigger for other mental health issues. Like you were talking about depression. For me, it really triggered my anxiety. Um, For others, you know, it can trigger. It's honestly like a traumatic experience. So I like really respect you from withdrawing from that class to prioritize your mental health, because I feel like that's something not a lot of people would do. Like they would just try to push past it, but that's not healthy. And it really like will stunt your growth if you try doing that. Yes. 
So what's one thing that people get wrong about grief? So I think a common misconception about grief is that these emotions are only justified if you do lose someone. When actuality, like feelings of grief can be triggered by a multitude of causes and they really should never be invalidated because they don't fit quote unquote societal standards of grief. So one of the reasons I think this topic is super pressing right now and I'm glad we're getting to talk about it is because this pandemic in some way or another has universally caused a lot of grief and pain and suffering. And like, even if you did not lose a loved one to this awful virus, it is okay to grieve and express your disappointment about losing opportunities. You know, Mm -hmm. college students have to shift their timelines and society Mm -hmm. as a whole right now is kind of struggling. And instead of creating like these polarizing hierarchies of grief, I really think it's important for people to band together and form support systems around this universal human experience. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes our just despite our inability to relate to some causes of grief, I believe that it's important to just be a listening, empathetic ear and give everyone some grace as they try to navigate difficult situations, no matter how foreign they may be to you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's such a good point. And again, grief, like any other kind of um, mental health issue is like a sliding scale. And, you know, some may be grieving the death of a lost one, but some may also be grieving like their college experience. Like you were talking about, they yeah. may be grieving social interaction. And I feel like this pandemic has obviously impacted a lot of people's mental health because I didn't realize until now how important social interaction is. And when you don't see people for we're like coming up on a year, when like you're not mm-hmm. able to really interact with people in the same way for a year, that takes an enormous toll on your mental health. And the feelings of loneliness associated with that are also really prevalent in people who are grieving. So the final question is, does your grief still affect you today? And if so, how? Yeah, so even though my grandmother passed away a little more than two years ago, the grief is still very present. Mm -hmm. However, I do think like the dynamics of my grief and like my inability to cope have drastically changed over the last two years. So like I feel in the direct aftermath of her passing, I was really mourning the loss of her physical body and spirit on earth and was grieving Mm -hmm. constantly about how I would never see her again, you know, touch her, hear her voice again. Whereas now, even though I have accepted that I will not be physically present anymore and I'm not crying every day like the grief still lurks and can be Mm -hmm. triggered by certain memories like especially the holidays and birthdays like we said before and as I'm progressing through life and experiencing these milestones I used to dream about like college graduations coming up it's like really hard because I still get that urge to like pick up the phone and I want to like tell Mm -hmm. her about everything that's going on now so you know thankfully since I have been like going and like receiving help I know that I have the proper tools to confront and deal with those feelings but I do acknowledge that those memories and bursts of grief will continue to appear probably for the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to my mom. She lost her mom like going on about 20 years ago. And she still talks about how some days it feels like it just happened yesterday. So I just think acknowledging that grief will always be present, but just kind of knowing that it does get better really keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really love how you've been talking about how you've kind of gained these tools from therapy. Um, to help you through the grief. And I think that's really important. And also the idea that grief never gets better, but it gets easier to manage um, because mm-hmm. I really resonate with how you were talking about in the early stages. It just feels like encompassing your grief um, and it feels like it's never going to get better. And now there are still times where I feel that the like enormous amount of loss um, like you were talking about, but I like also have tools from therapy that I can use to like kind of like push through that. 
it really does come up in like random points of the day. Like sometimes I'll see something that reminds me of like my aunt or my grandpa and I'll be like, wow, like I wish I could tell them about this or just Mm -hmm. thinking of big events like college graduation, like hopefully one day getting married, having kids and just being like, they're not here to see that is really hard. Um, I think that's when I get a lot like really existential. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yes, (laughs) me too. (laughs) Me too. I feel that so much. It's scary. I really still can't think about death too much because I'm just like the idea that you're never like on earth, at least going to see someone again is just too much for my little brain to handle. But yeah, thank you for sharing all of your experience with us. Um, And now we're just going to get right into the advice portion for anyone who may be dealing with grief. Yeah. So the first piece of advice is just to give yourself time. Just because it's in a year, two years, three years, doesn't mean that your grief is gone or that it's shameful to still be grieving the loss of a loved one. Grief can hit at random points, as we've previously discussed, and that's just a part of the process. Exactly. And another thing that we talked about earlier that's important to highlight is that grief never really goes away, but it does get much easier to deal with. Um, there's still many days where I grieve the loss of my aunt and grandpa and Jada was saying she grieves the loss of her grandma, but now we both know how to manage that. Um, for example, for me, the first six months of, um, grieving were the most painful for me, but now I don't really feel that same intense level of grief. Yeah. And I can definitely agree with that, Justine. I feel like those first six months to the year was like the most hard part for me. But like after that, like I still, like we said, we have moments of grief, but they're definitely not as bad as they used to be. So our next part is to feel your feelings. Allow yourself to feel pain, sorrow, regret, anger, etc., and all the feelings that are associated with the grieving process. Ignoring or pushing these feelings down doesn't make them go away and they'll most likely resurface later in an ugly and more intense way. Feeling these emotions after experiencing a loss is normal and will help you accept your loss. So the next piece of advice is to talk to someone about it. Being able to create a support network and go to friends and family about your grief is so important. Um, And not everyone has experience with grief, so it can really help to kind of tell your friends and family what they can do to support you and guide, um, guide them through this period or guide you through this period. In addition, when I was grieving, sometimes I just really need to talk about how sad I was and have someone listen to me without being like, your aunt is in a better place now, or like, tell me how to cope. Um, And honestly, the thing that worked best is whenever my friends just let me kind of like vent, get it out there and just be like, yeah, like that really sucks. And I'm sorry, but I'm here for you and I love you. Um, in addition, it can help to write down your favorite memories with your love, your lost loved one. I know this is really painful to do and obviously give yourself time for this, but I did this after my aunt passed away and now I'm really grateful that I did it because I'm strong enough to kind of read through those memories and remember, um, just remember the times that I shared with my aunt. One of the scariest things after losing a loved one for me was forgetting them, Um, Just like forgetting my aunt's voice and the way it felt when she hugged me and the things we used to do together. So writing down these memories can really help you. Writing down these memories and keeping photos and videos of uh, your loved one can really help memorialize them. Um, In addition, it can help to, when you're ready, talk to your friends about the loved one you lost. Um, I used to be scared to talk about my aunt, but now I'm able to talk to my friends if I see something that reminds me of her, share stories about what we did together. And this is kind of my way of keeping her memory alive by um, sharing memories we had with people I know now who have never met her before. 
but I know that's really hard at first. And I think it took me like a year and a half to be able to talk about her without crying. (laughs) So, you know, it's a process. It is. And the next part of the process is just to think in circles and not lines. If you reach a point where you're feeling good only to feel bad again, it's not a sign that you've relapsed or gotten worse per se. It's just how grief works. And it's actually forward movement. Grief is like a series of loops. You have your good days, you have your bad days, and you can circle back to where you want to be, you know, and where you've been sometime before. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're going to go into a little bit of advice for how to help a friend who's grieving, according to helpguide.org. So first, it's important to understand the grieving process. Um, Know that there's no right or wrong way to grieve, and grief may involve extreme emotions and behaviors, and there's no set timetable for grieving. In addition, really prioritize listening to them over giving advice because, again, like we talked about, sometimes people just want to be able to vent and get their emotions out without someone kind of instructing them what to do next. Yeah, and how to talk and listen to someone who's grieving. Try to like acknowledge the situation and express your concern, but really let the bereaved talk about how their loved one die and take control of the situation and the conversation. And you know, just ask how your loved one feels and be genuine in your communication. Really don't try to minimize your loss or try to like invalidate their feelings. Sometimes you don't mean to do that, but kind of like saying things like, oh, they're in a better place can make it really confusing and really kind of harmful to like the bereaved person, even if that wasn't your intent because most of the times we know that you're coming from a very good place and just be willing to sometimes sit in silence and just offer your support in a way that is just proximally instead of actually just talking Mm -hmm. exactly next one of the things that is really important especially right after um, the loss of a loved one is to offer practical assistance a grieving person may not have the energy or motivation to call you when they need something so instead of saying let me know if there's anything I can do Make it easier for them by making specific suggestions. For example, you could say, I'm going to the grocery store this afternoon. What can I bring you there? Or I've made pasta for dinner. When can I come by and bring you some? Yeah. And then finally, watch for the warning signs of depression. Encourage the grieving person to seek professional help if you observe any of the following warning signs after the initial grieving period. So one is difficulty functioning in daily life. Two, an extreme focus on death, where it's the only thing that they're talking about and the only thing they can seem to focus on. Three, excessive bitterness, anger, or guilt. Four, neglecting personal hygiene. Five, alcohol or drug abuse. Six, the inability to enjoy life. Seven, hallucinations. Eight, withdrawing from others. Nine, constant feelings of hopelessness. And finally, 10, talking about death or suicide. Yeah, thank you. So that wraps up our advice for the episode. And I know if you are grieving the death of a lost one, it is really incredibly hard right now, but you'll get through this. And I, not to be dramatic, I never thought that I'd be happy again after I lost my aunt. Um, But we humans are resilient and we can get through hard things. Um, If you take anything out of this episode, really just seek support and professional help if you are grieving. Because again, like we talked about, grief can trigger a lot of other um, issues and it's really important that you get the help that you need before that intensifies. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Jada. I know that it is thank you for so <laughs> it's so hard to talk about grief, and I just it's crazy to like hear you talk about your experience two years ago and not even being able to mention your aunt and see where you are now. And mm-hmm. you no, know, we just gotta highlight that growth. 
Yes, yes. I really appreciate you having me on. And I just really enjoy hearing you talk about your aunt. Because like you said, like there were some days where I thought I'd never be happy again. Yeah. And just kind of, even hearing that now, even though we've made so much progress, both of us, it's like, you know, it's always good to know that someone was in your same shoes a while back. And mm-hmm. everyone has gone through this at some point And people are out there who are willing to talk about it and help, which helps everyone in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Um, So thank you guys so much for listening and make sure to BYOB next week. Bye. Bye.